Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Rip City? It is the Believe in Blazer podcast, episode 8 of the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Stephen Vaughn. I'm with my guy, Tori Jones. And the Blazers just finished off a nice win in Sacramento where they were underdogs against the Kings, but they pulled it out and they got the win on Wednesday night. Uh, first of all, you know, just of course you can catch me on Twitter at Steven underscore VON. You can hear me on 750 The Game on the BFT with John Canzano. I produce him for him. I'm on a lot of their other shows. Uh, Bet the Game on the weekends from 9 to 10 a.m. So you can hear me up in a lot of spots. You can hit up Tori at Tori Jones YT on Twitter. Obviously, you can catch him on the Blazer Uprise channel. You know, pre-game, post-game, live streams. They're on there all the time. Just always check them out. Uh, they're always doing great stuff. But Tori, man, what's up, man? Rip City Blazers want to know how are you feeling after that uh, Kings game? I'm feeling great, man. We had our post game show afterwards, best regular season post game show we've probably ever had. It was popping in there. A lot of people excited. It's crazy how the mood can change with just one game. It was doomsday scenarios after preseason. Who do we trade? Now it's, oh man, this team won a game on the road and this team looked solid doing it, you know? And and I'm excited. I'm happy with the way they won. But I was never somebody panicking because of preseason. Kings were 4-0. Blazers were 0-4 against NBA teams and it didn't matter on opening night. Yeah, Blazers win 115-108 over the Kings in Sacramento. You know, the Blazers looked really good in the first quarter, second quarter. Uh, went back down to earth, kind of, and the Kings really took advantage. But uh, Blazers pulled out in that fourth quarter, man, and it was uh, it was an impressive win. And uh, so, first of all, you also want to touch on just your general thoughts of the game because you know my takeaway, the overall takeaway, Tori, for me was I didn't think the Blazers played particularly well. Uh, you know, they shot forty four percent from the field. They only made eleven threes, uh, shot thirty nine percent, which is good from behind the arc. But I didn't think they played particularly well. But they still got the win in Sacramento. Um, I think that's a good sign, obviously. You know, you look at the stats. Dame has a struggle uh, shooting the basketball. But uh, five other guys getting double figures for the Blazers. When was the last time that happened? Nurk had eight points, so it was almost six guys. I, I thought the Blazers didn't play great, but they got the win. I think it's a good sign uh, going forward. Well, I'm very impressed with the way they won this game. Because Dame did not shoot the ball well. Five for 18. They won this game getting stops on defense down the stretch. Locking up the Sacramento Kings. They only put one away on the board. Uh, this is a team that has never won games with defense, especially on the road. Last season, the Blazers started off, well, I've said this a million times, they started off looking good at home defensively, but on the road, they didn't play any sort of defense. I looked it up. Their second road win last year was December 19th, Stephen. December 19th. So the Blazers have two more months. Right now, it's October 20th. They already have their first road win. They have two more months to match last season's pace, and they did start 500. So that's what I was saying about this team. If they could just figure it out on the road, figure it out defensively, this is going to be a solid team. So they won this game with defense. They didn't win this game because Dame went off. Dame struggled shooting the ball, but you had forwards making plays off the dribble. Jeremy Grant and and one late uh, to go ahead, and then Josh Hart to steal the win in Sacramento. Had an and one as well. Two forwards making plays off the dribble and converting and ones. When have we ever been able to say that about Blazers starting forwards? And I think this team is going to be uh, a threat offensively because you have guys that you have to guard. You can't hide anyone on anybody when you play this Blazers team. Can you imagine going another two months and not getting another road win? That'd be weird, man. That'd be crazy if that happened. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But uh, you know what? We were talking before the pod, Tori, and uh, you know, you're very positive about all your teams right now. The Mariners just made the playoffs, have a bright future. The Blazers get the win. The 49ers make a trade for Christian McCaffrey. So you know, it's a good time to remind everyone that you know, football's back. The NBA is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your betting needs this season you'll find the latest odds matchup info player news and game trends and as your continued source for all sports wagering info bet online features live betting free contests live scores giveaways all season long always the fastest easy way to bet on your favorite sports and events like the major league baseball playoffs mma tennis boxing even golf college football nfl nba you got it all head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit, make sure to use promo code BELIEVE. That is B L E A V. Believe to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And of course, the Believe in Blazer podcast is presented by 
that online. The great people over there. So I want to touch on that real quick, Tori. Uh, you know, you're very happy about all your teams. Christian McCaffrey just got it traded here late night, Wednesday night to the Niners. How are you feeling about the Niners now in that NFC West, which sucks really bad uh, with the Seahawks tied with the 49ers? Are the 49ers, 49ers the easy team to you know win that NFC West now? Yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh, I am a football fan. Shanahan has always made good running backs out of mediocre ones, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does with a great running back. So, yeah, that broke about, uh, or I found out about that about an hour ago, so I'm hyped up for this for this uh, late-night recording of this podcast. It was perfect timing to give me the infusion of energy that I needed to record this thing, man. I'm, I'm hyped. It's just going to be fun. And Mariners were finally fun for the first time in my freaking life. Uh, Niners are going to be fun with CMC. Just too bad they don't have Trey Lance still. And then the Blazers are going to be fun as well. So it, I'm probably the most happy with my collection of teams right now than I've probably ever been. Because I, I honestly, I feel like all three teams can go on a deep playoff run in the coming years and they're set up for the future okay so uh, Niners are pretty young Mariners are very young the Blazers aren't necessarily young in regards you know Dame's in his early 30s Grant's in his prime Nurkic is in his prime but you got some young talent on the Blazers as well that I'm going to enjoy talking about in this podcast even because you got Shane Sharp you got Anthony Simons you got uh Nasir Little struggled last night but he's another young piece so it's fun having some young talent on my favorite sports teams. Yeah, no doubt, man. And it's it's the same thing. Like, you talk about Shanahan getting good talent. What happens when Dane gets help around him, right? Like, is he going to elevate it? Is Shanahan going to elevate Christian McCaffrey? When Shanahan gets a good quarterback, is it going to be, like, game over? Like, they're going to the Super Bowl or what? Uh, yeah, I think you got I think you got a lot of uh, a lot of positivity. But speaking of those young guys, you talked about the young guys. Segue here. Shane Sharp, man. First game of the NBA, plays 16 minutes. He gets the game ball, according to Casey Holdo on Twitter. He said... But the team gave him the game ball after the game. 12 points, two rebounds, and assists. No turnovers. Uh, hit three. All three of his threes. Four for six shooting. I mean, he looked great. I thought, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. But, you know, we talked about Shane Sharp in the preseason. How I don't know necessarily if he's ready to play minutes every single night. He's going to be a consistent, really good player every night. But, man, he showed the flashes to, uh, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, no, Wednesday, sorry. Yeah, on Wednesday of how good he could be uh, in the NBA just at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, the upside is with what he can do off the dribble, man. And I was worried that he was going to be a guy that needed the ball in his hands to be effective. The way he's played off the ball in preseason, I thought earned him minutes. And then he played off the ball yesterday extremely well. He got put in the corner and there was four different plays he made playing off ball in the corner. Okay, his first play, he spots up from three, gets a cross-court pass from Anthony Simons as he was running a pick and roll, um, and Shane Sharp's defender sagged into the paint to help on the roll, man. Shane Sharp gets a kick-out pass, knocks down the three-point shot. That's his first NBA field goal, a wide-open three, shot it with confidence on the road in an environment, which, shout-out to Kings fans, they were absolutely rocking last night. Unfortunately for them, they couldn't get the win. But knocks down the three, first possession. He has another possession. He fades out to the corner off a screen and I, he might have faded away on that catch and shoot three-point shot knocks it down so spot up three movement three catch and shoot he has another play where he catches the ball in the corner he gets closed out on he attacks the closeout drives baseline gets to the rim gets to the free throw line as he rises above Harrison Barnes and then he has a play where he's in the corner Dame drives attracts three defenders Shane Sharp's guy wasn't paying any attention to him he cuts baseline and gets a dunk then in the second half, he catches the ball in the corner, hits a step back on Harrison Barnes. All him being off the ball in the corner and being able to be a threat when he gets the ball or being able to make the right cut is why he can play minutes right away. And that'll allow him to develop all the extra stuff where his upside lies long term. So that is the most positive development early on in this season is Shaden Sharp can play off the ball. He knows how to play off the ball and therefore you can give him minutes and he's going to be um, ready for them. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I went back and I watched the fourth quarter specifically and watching that play where he hit the step back over Barnes. Uh, you know, the only way I can describe it is it's effortless. Right? Like the way he plays basketball, he doesn't look like he's straining to get to anywhere on the court. And he creates space 
without using a lot of energy. It's very effortless. It's very natural for him. And I think that's a really good compliment. We talked about this in the preseason. Like, he looked like the smart basketball player that he is. And you could tell that on the offensive side, especially. Even on the defensive side, he got switched onto De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter. He played really good man-up defense. Nurk actually came over, played good help defense. No one spotted Nurk, and it was a dunk by Rashawn Holmes. But Fox was cooking on the Blazers all night. Shane Sharp staying in front of him, made a couple nice plays defensively, moved his feet. And then, of course, you talk about the three-pointers, right? The spot-up threes. I said this, if Shane Sharp can hit spot-up threes and show some type of defensive potential, he has a spot in this team, you know, game in and game out. Now he's showing potential to do even more than that and play off, you know, play off the ball, make plays with the basketball. So, I mean, it's just, it was a positive thing to see. And, you know, I think for a guy that hasn't played in so long to come in and look so natural and make it look so effortless, that's the thing that I'm positive about because, you know, I want to see the potential. The potential is oozing. To be a superstar in the NBA, you got to be a great athlete, but you got to be a smart player. And he is showing signs of both of that. I'm not trying to get over my skis on him. It's one game against the Kings. But man, in your debut, to look like that, uh, it exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. See, and I have always felt like you're a little hard on the young guys on this Blazers team. So the fact that you're that positive means he's the real deal. <laughs> it means he's a future star, man. I mean, you think about it. Dame, when he was 19, was barely a D1 player, right? Like, he did not have many offers coming out of high school. And, and Sharp if, didn't even play in college. Like, he hasn't played for yeah. years. Like, And, he comes and he's looking like this at 19. I mean, remember Anthony Simons, his rookie year? The dude did, didn't look like he deserved to be on an NBA court most of the time now three years later he's the starting shooting guard had 22 points last night I think he averages an efficient 20 points per game this season right I'm just listing this because everybody knows he's young but what he's doing is really special when you think about how good NBA players are when they weren't as good as Shaden Sharp was when they were 19 years old. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. It's like Dame had the work ethic, right? Anthony Simons had all the natural talent, and that's what Neil Olshay talked about, him being the most naturally gifted player he's ever drafted or whatever the quote was. Um, And both those guys have developed. Sharp is better than both of them were at their age, ages and I've heard that Shaden Sharp has a great work ethic and he has all the tools necessary to be a legitimate player on both ends of the floor. I, I, I am... I've never been this confident in somebody becoming a star down the road. It's weird, man. It's weird. And I'm thankful. That, dude, re- remember this past summer when there was all those conversations about should we trade the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant? Now we OG have him, Ananobi. which is nice. Yeah, or OG Ananobi. Aren't you glad we didn't trade that seventh overall pick? Yeah, man. No, I, I was with you. I was with the, the draft pick. You, you take for a reason, and that's to get a pick like Shaden Sharp. And, you know, you watched the NBA last night, opening night, and there's so many good young players you know, Paolo Benchero looks great. Uh, there's just so many young guys out there. And it's good to see that the Blazers have one of them, right? The Blazers have one of those good young players that hopefully you can build around. Um, but again, you know, I'm not going to get on my skis. He's not going to be four for six every night. He's not going to be three for three from deep. But what, you know, what it is, is he's a guy that the Blazers can put in a game. He's definitely not going to hurt the Blazers. He, in fact, can actually help them. Without him in that game, they don't win that game. And so I do think it's important to, you know, continue to get him minutes uh, when everyone's healthy, when everyone's back, when Gary Payton comes back. He's still got to get to the court, and I think he will. He proved he could play in the league, and, man, it looks effortless. Uh, you know, and that's the type of thing that is very impressive to me. So, uh, you know, obviously that was a great performance from Shaden Sharp. Uh, hopefully he can continue that. It will be interesting to see how he does against the Suns on Friday and going forward against better competition, right, when you go against the better teams. But, uh, for game one, in a crazy atmosphere, like you said, on the road in Sacramento, he even talked about that after the game. He talked about how the Kings fans were really good, and it was really loud. It was a good environment, but he said he's excited to get to play in Portland in front of our fans. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it was a good, a good showing for him. It was his first game playing in that type of environment ever. Yeah. He's never played in that type of environment. College, you get some raucous environments, but he didn't play in college. So... He should not be that confident where he's shooting step back threes on Harrison Barnes, making Harrison Barnes look foolish, fading out. Like, his, that's the that's something that I feel like isn't talked about enough as well. Players that have the confidence, just the natural confidence like that, 
are the players that become stars. The fact that he's so confident, he should not be as confident as he is on the on an NBA court. And he shouldn't be doing what he's doing out there. So that is another positive for sure. Yeah, I mean, he just knows he's a good basketball player. So uh, it's like, it's one of those things, you know, where he's probably nervous before the game, but as soon as the lights come on, like he's in his environment and he knows he belongs. He knows he can play. So, uh, you know, it, it was good to see that. Uh, I did want to talk about, let's talk about another young guy, Anthony Simons. He really closed out the fourth quarter. I thought he did a really good job second half. Uh, scoring for Portland. He had 10 points in the fourth quarter, nine shots in the fourth quarter, which, you know, is uh, kind of a different thing than what's been going on in the past. But he ends up with 22 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. Didn't shoot the ball great, nine to 22, three of 10 from deep. But, uh, you know, he closed the game out for the Blazers, hit some tough shots because Day was off. Uh, How did you think him and Dame played together? Um, Because for my view on it was, it seemed like in the first half, uh, Ant really didn't know, especially the first quarter, the very start of the game, he didn't know when to really be aggressive, right? Like he was being almost tentative, uh, trying to fit in. And then after, you know, Dame kind of struggled, I think Ant saw that and said, you know, I need, to, I need to be better. I need to score for this team right now. And then he really picked it up and really started to be more aggressive on both sides of the court. Um, and I think Dame will be fine. Just one of those things where, you know, for his first game back as well, but uh, how did you think Ant played, and how did you think the uh, chemistry between him and Dame was? Because I think that's going to be very important going down uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, 3 for 10, that's 30%. One more 3, that's 4 for 10, 40%. That's what he shoots on the season. So the three-point shot, I think, uh, you know, he'll have some better shooting nights. He'll have some nights where he's probably 6 for 8, 6 for 9, and look phenomenal. I was looking for him to be aggressive attacking the rim off the dribble. He had two dunks, and he had a third dunk that he missed because he caught the ball back and tried to dunk too hard. And then he got one of his threes on that possession. So good math from him, by the way. Threes yeah. one, two. Threes one, two. Um, But him attacking the rim as quick as he was, and like, that's something we've talked about in the past where he's a really good athlete, he's won a dunk contest, but he doesn't get all the way to the rim and finish strong. But we saw that a couple different times yesterday, and I think that's going to be something we see more of in the long term. I think part of it is he has guys around him that are too true threats not only as shooters like Josh Hart's solid and Jeremy Grant's a good three-point shooter was three for three last night but both those guys can do stuff off the dribble too so you got guys that can keep the defense honest he will have more space than he did last year during his breakout it just comes with managing playing next to Dame and it's something where he just has to pick the right spots and it's going to be a little bit of a process and I think you saw that during the first half there was times maybe should have been a little bit more aggressive there were times where maybe he shouldn't have forced a shot that he ended up taking and it's going to take some time and I'm patient with that you just hope that at the start of the season you'll see flashes of them being able to play off each other and we saw that during the fourth quarter where Ant took over the stretch over over the game for like a three four minute stretch and helped the Blazers win that game without him taking over the Blazers don't win that game so you're, you're going to see probably some inconsistencies, but I just want him to be aggressive when he decides to, you know, to, a, to attack. Like, when he decides to pick his spots, he needs to be aggressive, go to the rim strong. That was a positive. And even in hindsight, it's tough to say who should be taking certain shots and who should be attacking in certain situations. It's a balance. There's a giant gray area there. You just want him to be aggressive when Dame's off. You want Dame to be aggressive when he's on and Anthony Simons is off. So that's the thing is, I don't think any two games are going to look the same with those two guys playing off each other. We saw that a lot with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum would step up a lot of times when Damian Lillard struggled. The perfect example of that being Game 7 of the 2019 Conference Semifinals against the Denver Nuggets. CJ McCollum had 37 points to win that Game 7 while Damian Lillard struggled. So, you want to see Ant step up when Dame struggles, Dame step up when Ant struggles, and just as long as one of those guys is able to have a solid game with the other offensive threats on this team, it's good enough. And that's what you saw in Game 1. Yeah, there's a drive in the fourth quarter, Ant, you know, Came off the pick and roll, came across the middle of the key, threw up about a little 12 foot, you know, running hook shot type thing. Uh, hook shot floater type shot. It was, a, it was an interesting shot, but it went in, it went nice. And he has done that before last season. And I think that's going to be an important shot because, uh, like you said, he's got to be aggressive. He's got to get to the hoop, get to the foul line. But if he can make that shot consistently, teams are going to have to guard that. They'll know that in the scouting report. And that's when he can make his move to the hoop. So, you know, those are the type of moves that I like to see out of Ant because we know the shot's going to be there. Uh, no matter what, like he's going to shoot the ball well, you know, even though it was three for 10 to uh, last night, 
I don't have any worries about it. I think he'll be fine shooting the basketball. So, you know, it's all about getting to the hoop, uh, create easier baskets for him. But, yeah, I mean, you can't just throw two good players together and right away have it be good, right? This is game one of Damon Ant together in the backcourt. So I have no worries uh, about them figuring it out because we know Dame's going to give up the ball if someone else is cooking. Like, he's not going to be a ball hog. And, I mean, in the fourth quarter, you check that out. Like, a lot of times that'd be Dame time. He shot two times. Like, that's not that's not a normal Damian Lillard game, but he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling himself that night. He gave it up to Simons. He gave it up to Grant. Um, and so I liked it. I liked that out of Dame. You know, let's talk about Dame a little bit here, Tori. Uh, you know, 5 of 18 shooting, 20 points, 8 assists, 9 of 9 for the free throw line. I'm not worried, uh, but I will say he was guarded by KZ Akpella a lot on the Kings. Uh, KZ, you know, he is a big... Uh, big athlete. You look at him. He's what six seven, six eight, two fifteen. Listen, six eight, two fifteen. Um, yeah, that's what he listed that. You know, young guy plays defense. That's what he's out there on the court to do to bother Dame. We've seen in the past Dame has had some trouble against really good long athletes, which of course anybody would. Um, but I thought for Dame, he was having trouble. You know, getting to his spots that he wanted to get to, and it was a struggle. It was more like he was putting his head down and barreling into people and then making plays off of that because he's so good. Uh, he even did that against, like, Kevin Herter a couple times. So I am worried just a little bit in the fact that, you know, he still has got to get his feet under him, and he hasn't played for so long that, you know, you got to hope that it's not an after effect of the injury. I don't think it is, but, you know, until I see it consistently, it's always going to be in the back of my mind. But, uh, you know, Dame struggles. What was your thoughts on that? I'm not too worried. There was a play early on in that game where he looked like he tweaked something, tweaked a hamstring. He was limping a little bit. You have to wonder if that maybe slowed him down a little bit during the game. Of course, he's not going to make any excuses for that, but you have to wonder if maybe he wasn't fully 100% after tweaking whatever he tweaked. Um, but not to make any excuses for him. Yeah, he struggled. He didn't shoot the three ball super great. He was one for eight. Uh, you would think even if he hypothetically lost a little bit of burst due to age, like some people will say after any bad game he has this year. Um, you would expect him to still shoot better than one for eight from three. You know, if he goes three for eight, four from eight, we're probably talking about, oh, he had a solid game. He also had eight assists and, and made some plays and put pressure on the defense. But that's why with a guy like Dame, you can't just base his impact off of his shooting numbers because defenders if Dame's 0 for 20 they're still looking at that like that's Damian Lillard that's one of the best offensive players in the league we're going to put our best longest defensive player on him and we're going to load up on him when he drives uh we're probably going to trap some pick and rolls like defense's game plan around Damian Lillard so when Damian Damian Lillard struggles a lot of times it's due to the game planning of the defense loading up on him. But what it does is it creates opportunities for other guys because instead of, you know, Casey Ocpala guarding Jeremy Grant, you maybe have somebody smaller. Maybe it's a Kevin Herter or whoever, you know, that's the thing when you take a forward and put him on a Damian Lillard or in the past, a CJ McCollum or an Anthony Simons, it leaves one of the smaller players to guard one of the Portland Trailblazers forwards. One of the biggest positives with the way this starting lineup is built is you actually have two forwards now that can take advantage of having weaker or smaller defenders on them. In the past, it's been Alfru, Kaminu, Mo Harkless, even all the way back to Nick Batum. That was one of the critiques of his game is he couldn't post anyone up, wouldn't drive and attack bad defenders or smaller defenders, despite him being 6'8", 6'9", with decent wingspan. Um, now you have two guys that can take advantage of the attention given to Dame. You have two forwards that can do stuff off the dribble. First time in his career, Dame has had two forwards that can do stuff off the dribble that can create for themselves. Josh Hart is a good creator for others, had five assists last night. And both of those guys, coincidentally, no, no, it's not coincidence. Both of those guys had two and ones in the final minute. So Dame, yes, he's five for 18, but that's because they're loading up on him. That's because they're sending multiple defenders to him. That's because they're putting, you know, Casey Ocpala up against him that makes it so much easier for a guy like a Jeremy Grant or a Josh Hart to have a good game that's why you can't just base Dame's impact off oh he's five for 18 he had a bad game yeah but he had eight assists and now we have guys when Dame has a bad game that will take advantage of uh, an easier opportunity for themselves in more space and all that sort of things it's just Dame has an effect on the offense no matter if he's making shots or not yeah I mean Jeremy Grant 13 free throw attempts uh, like I said, five guys in double figures besides Dave, so a lot of help uh, around him where he didn't necessarily have to be the guy. 
uh, last night to beat the Kings, which is usually not the case. Usually it's Dame has to have a big, big night to beat anybody. Um, did you did you think he was moving around okay when he had the ball? Uh, for me, it was a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, put his head down, barrel it, or, you know, drive, get cut off, and have to go behind his back, which was a slow move. It's not really, like, his go-to move. It's kind of a little slower. I thought he just didn't look as explosive. Uh, what do you think of the explosiveness? Yeah, I mean, as I said, that whatever he tweaked in the first quarter, I'm wondering if that maybe slowed him down a little bit because he was more explosive in, like, the second preseason game against Utah. He looked as explosive as he has been in the past, you know? I think sometimes when you have quicker, longer defenders, it makes Dame look slower than he actually is. And when you have teams that send multiple guys, it's like, oh, Dame can't get to the rim. But, you know, he's being bumped by one guy. In Sacramento plays physical defense. He's being bumped by one guy, and then he has a second guy running at him. So I think some of it is a product of the way the Kings guarded him. Some of it might be a product of him tweaking things. He still needs to get back into the swing of things. But he recently said in an interview, oh, I can get anywhere I want to whenever I want to on the basketball court, right? Yes, probably a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but I, I'm not worried long-term about his burst or him being able to, to get downhill and whatnot. But even if he, you know, is a little, doesn't have the same amount of burst, there's still ways that you can make him insanely effective on the offensive end. You might just have to change up the way you do things than you have in the past. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I, I don't have any fears about it. Uh, just a thing that I noticed, and I want to see him get back to full strength. You know, and so he wasn't, he didn't look to be full strength in game one. Uh, I do think he'll get back to that. But yeah, and he's such a smart player that he'll he'll figure it out, right? Like even if he is a step slower than he was in season past, I think he will figure it out. It might just take it might just take a little bit more time uh, than we're willing to give him because he's Dame and we want him to be awesome right away. But uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. I just want to ask you, how do you feel about playing Dame more off the ball? That's something that the Blazers have talked about doing this season. Do you think that's a good thing to make it easier for him if he maybe doesn't have uh, the same amount of bursts as he had in the past? Do you think he can be as effective as he was in the past when he, the majority of the time, had the ball in his hands? Like, How do you feel about the Blazers going with more of a team-based offense, utilizing him more off the ball? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, they need to do that. Um, he has to improve at that. I think if he would even admit that himself, probably. Like, he's got to be better off the ball because he's never had to do it. And it's it's difficult to play off the ball um, when you have to. You know, he ran off a couple screens, and I felt like he could have even, you know, uh, looped it, got it, got it, dribbled into the paint, or, you know, even flared it and got a screen or got a shot. He didn't take it. Uh, he just kind of ran off and let the defender get right back on him. But I think it's good in the long run, like, It'll help his body. It'll help him stay healthier because, you know, again, the Blazers have guys that can do other things. And we saw Jeremy Grant really play well in the fourth quarter in the second half, get to the free throw line. We saw Josh Hart making plays who I just, you know, I love Josh Hart. He's just, he's just a solid basketball player. Like he's a baller. Um, he's a guy that can help any team. And then Anthony Simons, of course, is the young gunner that you know, you're trying to hope mold into that star player. So you know, he, he needs to play off the ball because they have other options that could do some things offensively you either, or you touch on you know teams of the past when you throw out there Alpha Camino, Mo Harkless, Nicola Batum, Evan Turner like those guys Evan Turner was fine but like you can't really give him the ball and get out of his way and let him run something else like you can let these guys do some things even Shaden Sharp off the bench like you have guys that can do some things and can help Dame get easier shots so I think it'll be positive uh going forward I think it'll be another process, right? Like, I just think it'll be a process just like everything else is right now with Portland. So that's why it was good to get the win when they didn't play particularly well. Like, to get the win in Sacramento, a spot where you were an underdog, you know, the market says you're supposed to lose and you get the win. I think it's a great win. Uh, and Dave will only get better from here. So, uh, yeah, no, I and the next guy I want to touch on, though, that uh, hopefully gets better because it can't get much worse, Tori. Uh, <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic, man. All right. Um, this will be fun. <laughs> all right, yeah, this is fun. All right, Nurk. All right, so eight point seven rebounds, two steals, uh, one assist, three of nine shooting, four turnovers. Third quarter, he only plays. Uh, what was it? Two and a half minutes in the third quarter, gets taken out, doesn't get put back in until the fourth quarter. But you know, I will say for how bad he played in the third quarter, uh, when he played in the fourth quarter, he was actually really good. He played really good defense, really good help defense. I thought. Uh, in the fourth quarter, I didn't think it was bad on the defensive side, but the Blazers' matchup style just was better to put Justice Winslow in there with Jeremy Grant. But um, overall, Nurk, I mean, I'm not like too mad about it because this is kind of what Nurk is. Like, he's gonna have really bad games where it's really bad, 
And this is the fear that I have of him being brought back for four more years is that the game, the NBA game has changed so much. And these big guys that aren't ultra-athletic, they have a hard time finding spots and they can get run out of games really quickly. Um, so for Nurk, that happened. That happened against the Kings. And I will say, you know, the questions I have about Chauncey Billups, they're not all answered yet. But Chauncey taking him out in the third quarter, not putting him back in until the fourth quarter, man, that was good to see. Like, lay down the law on him. And if he's not working, get him out of there. Get someone else that can work. So I will say, Chauncey, I'm going to give him credit on that one. But you would love to see Nurk play better, man. Four years, $70 million. You know, I had talked about last year, like, when the Blazers were dealing everybody, I just wanted Nurk to get out of Portland to, like, get a fresh start. I felt like it would be good for everybody. Good for Portland. Good for Nurk. It didn't happen. They re-signed with a four-year deal, man. I, Corey, I don't know if I can last another four years to this, man. Like, it's it's bad. It's bad game, bad game, bad game, good game, bad game. Like, it's just going to be... It's, Dude, it's just going to be stretches of bad games and then a couple games of good games. And it's just like, oh, man, just give me something, man. I just, I don't know if I can take it. How does he average 15 and 10 shooting like 56% (laughs) from two and four out of five games are bad? You know what I mean? Like, people were freaking, people, go ahead. I was thinking about this today. All right, I was watching the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, who would you rather have on this team, Zubac or Dirk? Like, to me, it's Zubac easily. And because he's a better defender, he's a better rebounder. Well, do you think smarter... Nurkic was? Do you it, think Nurkic was bad defensively last night? At, at times, yes. In the third quarter, the two and a half minutes, he was terrible. In that two and a half minutes, he was awful. He played twenty five minutes. We're talking about two and a half minutes. I saying, thought here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought Nurkic got played off the court not because he's not capable of being really effective against a team like that, but because he wasn't handling. It's well mentally he was rushing things offensively. I don't think he got taken out defensively. Yes, he had a bad couple of minutes, but in the first half, I thought defensively he was good. Right, yeah. the Blazers had a good defensive first quarter. He gets subbed out. All of a sudden, with Drew Eubanks in, in the first half, all of a sudden the Kings are getting a bunch of layups. Okay, no, and I don't think that, that was a coincidence. Story. I said that to you. You you said that. I said yeah. The defense got worse. They don't have any other options though. And then it's a situation, yeah, you know, I mean, you you don't really they have did, backup center options. That's something both of us have questioned. But then it's all of a sudden like the Blazers start collapsing even more because they're getting shots around the rim. And then it's kick out threes and the Kings have seven threes in the second quarter. And they come all the way back and have a, it was like a 32 point quarter or something. Maybe, maybe more than that. It was a high scoring quarter for them. And I think it coincided with Nurkic being taken out of the game. Yes, he struggles in the third quarter. But like people talk about how slow he is. I don't think he wasn't, I don't think he was struggling to keep up foot speed wide on the defensive end he seemed to be in the right spot for the majority of the game the problem was offensively he was trying to force some like passes that weren't there and he was insanely sloppy he had four turnovers first half and then in the second half he keeps rushing all these layups that he doesn't need to rush he just needs to take his time be strong go strong to the rim they don't have a rim protector they have all these short and small guys and it was like he was scared of somebody ripping the ball or something was rushing all these all this all this crap around the rim and wasn't finishing anything so I think that's why he had a bad game was he, the, the finishing problems in the second half and he was like not mentally handling the fact that they're a quicker team well. He needed to slow down and just be solid and be strong. And then like first half was sloppy with the ball. But in, defensively, I think he was fine. But is it, But that's what my point is that he's not athletic. And so offensively, he struggles. Like that's why I like Zubac because he does what he does. Like he's going to post up. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to get dunks. Nurk's trying to do all these different things and it's not going to work in the NBA. We saw it in the international game. Like it worked fine. He was strong around the hoop against the Kings. He should be strong against Domas Sabonis, but he's not. And he's throwing up these flip shots and it's the same old Nurk, man. Like it's just not going to change. And so for me, it's like when you're paying this guy this much money, you can't even play him at the end of games. I think that's going to be costly. Like, I don't know, man. He's going to have games where he goes for 20 and 15 and he looks great. And he goes, you know, 8 of 12 shooting, and I'm just going to make me just eat my words. But at the same time, like, I'm going to go back to these games where he should dominate on the inside, and he doesn't because he just is, like, he's overthinking it, and he's going way too quickly, right? Like, you're not a great athlete anyways. Slow it down even slower and just beast everybody. Like, use your strengths that you have, which is your size and your strength, not your speed and your agility. Uh, you know, I, will he ever figure it out? I don't know that he will. Uh, but, yeah, no, you're right. Like, defensively, 
he was fine. I'm not saying he was bad defensively. Like I said, in that fourth quarter, he was actually really good on the defensive side. The first half, he was solid. The Blazers asked him to do a lot defensively, so I think it always puts him in a bad spot, and I've always said that. But uh, man, it's just it's just tough when you can't you can't you can't play your seventy million dollar guy at the end of the game against the Kings, who do have an all star who is an all star that used Demonis Sabonis. Like you can't play him against him. You have to play Justice Winslow instead of him. Well, I think it's just situational too, though. Is like how many times does Zubach catch the ball? 12 to 18 feet away from the rim on a pick and roll on the run. You know what I mean? A lot of times Zubach is just getting dump off passes when he's literally right next to the basket and dunking things. And people are like, oh, I wish Nurk would do that. But then on a pick and roll, it's like a lot of times they're feeding Nurk. It's probably too early. They're, They're hitting them on the run in traffic sometimes 15 16 feet away from the rim and then he panics and rushes it you know what i mean like that's the I, thing that's if you bring zubach in my, there like what is he gonna do i don't want my big guy doing that and with nurk nurk is very skilled he's a very skillful player he can dribble the basketball he can't pass the basketball and so because of that they put him in these spots where you're gonna need to make plays i don't want nurk making plays just make it really easy for me and play good positional defense, get some rebounds, make some passes. I don't want you shooting nine shots. I'll, you know, I don't want any perimeter shots. I don't want drives. Like, make it easy for yourself, and then don't set a moving screen all the time. Like, I know that's going to come. That was just, that was the one foul you had, moving screen. Here, Yeah, I mean, but he shot 60% from two in the preseason. Everybody freaked out. He legitimately averaged like 14 points per game in 20 minutes while shooting 60% from two and everybody was freaking out. Like he, he's not as bad of a finisher as people act like. He was bad in opening night. He had a bad opening night game. I just don't understand the whole, I don't understand people that act like he's like that almost all the time because he improved his finishing last year, didn't get enough credit for it. I mean, that's just the, the facts, you know, I'll bring that up and people will laugh at me and say I'm not critical of Nurkic enough, but I'm just operating based off facts. 56% from two last season, which was a career high. His next best year was 52%, so four percentage points better, right? And that was without Damian Lillard. And then in preseason was 60% from two and then has a bad opening night game. Like, yeah, it's infuriating when he does because it's like, it's all mental and you can tell and it's all this finesse flip stuff, but it's like, it's he's an inconsistent center in every center outside of the top four or five. Like you bring Zubac in here, Zubac has bad games too. It's just like as Blazer fans, we don't really pay attention to Zubac, no, so we don't no see doubt. it. You know, no doubt. I, and I, you know, I don't mean to say that Nurk can't be good. Like I said, I think he's probably gonna have a good game against Phoenix, or I think he's gonna have a good game next week early on. Like he's gonna play really well at some point. But you know, we talked about this in the offseason. Like I would rather just not pay my center seventy million dollars over four years if I'm going to get inconsistent performance. And I probably don't want to pay my guys max contracts like DeAndre Ayton as well. Like, I would rather go with a Zubach who makes $10 million a year, like, who does certain things really well. But, again... Well, here's, here's my question for yeah. you. Is Nurkic a top 100 player in the league? I mean, yeah, probably. He's the 93rd highest paid player in the league. I, I just... Again, I think it's philosophy-wise. I don't want to pay my big guys that much, so... Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I just found that interesting. I just found that interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, he needs to be better than he was last night, and he, he'll have more games like last night, and he'll have more games where he's solid. It's just, please, dude, Worldwide Wob on Twitter, I don't know if he still goes by that, but you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. He has a call-in show after the games last night, and multiple Blazer fans supposedly called in after our big opening night win. Guess what all of them did? Their main topic was complaining about Nurkic. Like, they couldn't even enjoy the fact that we had an awesome opening night win. A lot of positives could have talked about Shane Sharp, could have talked about, you know, Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart. And it's like, apparently, literally every Blazer fan that called in was just to complain about Nurkic. So I think some Blazer fans need to relax a little bit. Yes, critique him when it's deserved, which you do. You know, you're very... I, I think you're pretty reasonable, even if I disagree with you on some stuff. But some people just love to hate the guy. Relax. Enjoy the win. We're good. We're good. But he needs to be better than he was. I think the problem right now, especially this year for me, Tori, is like, we you know, we touched this a lot. They don't have much depth behind Nurk, right? Like, I think they may have found their backup center in Justice Winslow, but that's not going to work against every team. So, like, well, how do you feel about Justice Winslow being the back of five? Because here's the thing: like yeah. Shane Sharp looks good, Gary Payne the second is out. When Gary Payne the second comes back, whose minutes is he going to take? Nas only played ten minutes last night, so you're probably going to play Gary Payton more than that, and you probably still want to try and get Nas's feet under him and still play him some minutes. Whose minutes are I mean, going to the wayside? It, isn't it Eubanks? It, dude, it's I feel Eubanks. like it might be Eubanks because. 
play Justice Winslow with the small ball five, back because up five, get, and it thing. opens up forward yeah. units. Here, here's the thing is they went with, when they went Winslow and Grant, it wasn't Winslow that was guarding Sabonis when he went in the fourth quarter. It was Jeremy Grant that was guarding Sabonis. So I think Grant is would be almost the backup five, and then Winslow was guarding De'Aaron Fox. And then they switched because it didn't work out. Like Sabonis beasted uh, Grant on a play, kicked it out to Fox, Fox hit a three. And at that point, uh, Chauncey had him switch. And then Winslow went on to Sabonis, and that's when Winslow really bodied him and used his strength against him. I think that they could kind of swap in and out depending on matchups, and they're going to be the backup five together. So Eubanks comes in. He doesn't do much. He had a couple blocks, but he wasn't good defensively. And so I do think when GP2 comes back, like he's almost going to be like the backup four and Winslow's your backup five, which is so crazy to think. But like the way GP2 plays, like he can play the, he can play a four. He doesn't, he's not necessarily a shooting guard or a small forward. Like he plays bigger than he is. Winslow plays bigger than he is. I really think it's Eubanks that loses out of those minutes. Yeah, yeah, which might not be the most optimal thing, but you got guys that can maybe make it work because Justice Winslow is freakishly strong, right? Like, he walled off and locked up Sabonis last night. Numerous times. In crunch time. And you're talking about a center who's been an all-star for what he does, not on the defensive end. He ain't Rudy Gobert. He's been an all-star before, and he's still, you know, barely in his prime. He's been an all-star because of what he does offensively, and Justice Winslow's out there defending a former all-star center locking him up. If he can do that, then you can probably play the backup five and guard backup centers, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you got Gary Payton the second. And then Nas has, you know, athleticism and uh, a 7-1 wingspan, uh, solid standing reach. You got those three guys in there. It might be good enough. I I would try that when Gary Payton the second is back. I would try that lineup more. And then, you know what, if it's still a problem around the trade deadline, around buyout season, then maybe you address the backup center spot and go out and get a, a backup center that has legitimate size. But I think at this point, that's what's going to end up happening. And it could be Trent Watford. Trent Watford wasn't active uh, last night as well. Like, he's going to... He can play some decent minutes, I think, at the backup center. He's strong. He's a good help defender. Smart player. Um... You know, GBT might take some Nasir Little minutes as well. Uh, Tori, you can just call me and tell me when Nasir Little starts playing well, and I'll be I'll be shocked. Like I look, I like Nasir. I think he's got potential. He's a great athlete. But I've always said this: like I don't know what he does well besides be strong and be a good athlete. Like you saw him dribble the ball off his feet. He he's not a great shooter. He's a terrible help defender. Again, last night you go back and watch. He had a couple of plays where I talked about in the fourth quarter. Uh, where Shane Sharp was guarding De'Aaron Fox. It was Nasir Little who didn't rotate. He just stood there and was standing there and let Rashawn Holmes get a dunk. Like, he's a bad help defender. I, I I just, I need to see it. And so I understand, like, that contract he signed was fine because, you know, he he, he needs the, you know, the security and the Blazers could get a steal of a deal. But, man, he's proven nothing in the NBA. And this is all off potential. So just call me when, he's, uh, when he starts playing well. Yeah, I mean, it's... I gotta be patient with the man because but, he but didn't... why? This is his fourth. This is his fourth season. It's his fourth season. Here's the thing: who's been our backup forwards in previous years, dude? We've had Anthony freaking Tolliver, Mario freaking Hazonia. Like I will, I will be patient with this here a little, given the some of the forwards the Blazers have had in previous years. I mean, he only played ten minutes last night on a bargain of a contract. Like at least he is an athlete. And at least he can defend on the ball. That's better than we have could have said for some previous forwards, you know. Tony Snell. And when he was here, he kind of forgot how to shoot. And that's the only reason he's in the NBA. So, uh, for a fourth forward, which I think is what he is right now. Like, who's positionally versatile. I think he played three or the four. Um... That's 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 okay. Like I, I'm willing to be patient. If he was the starting three, it'd be more of a problem. If it was a situation where the Blazers didn't have the depth, didn't have a Josh Hart to start at the three, and they were forced to start Nasir Little at the three, and he's playing like this, they'd be in trouble. But that that's the luxury of having some depth. Is a guy like that, you can give him a few minutes. He can slowly try and figure things out. And given the fact that he didn't play for seven months, uh, I'll, I'll be patient with him. You know, good on ball defender. He's showed inconsistent three-point shooting, but he's had some hot months. It's just finding that consistency from there. And then he'll be able to attack closeouts if the ball's moving and he's enough of a threat from the three-point line and going downhill, he's a problem. And if the team gets out and runs more, he's he's good in that situation. So I, I think he's close to being a really good backup forward. It's just uh, right now, right now he's not that. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I see a lot of Blazer fans still tell me how He's got potential to be a starting caliber forward in this league. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I've never seen it. 
Um, again, I like the deal because I think it's good for Portland. I think it's good for Nasir Little. Like, Nasir gets some security. The Blazers are taking a risk, and it could turn out to be a good contract. But um, I just I just don't see it right now, and I haven't seen it with Nasir. So, I again, I'm willing to wait on it, but uh, I, I don't expect anything when he goes out on the court. Like, I'm not expecting him to make really any good impact on the game um, until a little bit later on in the season, hopefully. Hopefully he gets back to how he was playing in January, though, man. Because he was legitimately, like, yes, a small sample size and whatnot, but he legitimately was a good NBA player and played like a starting caliber player in January. Now the team, you know, there was a bunch that went into that and a bunch of context that needs to be added with that, but it's not like he's incapable. So that's why I'm willing to be patient. No doubt, man. It's fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, Again, I don't expect a lot out of him, but uh, it was not a great showing for Nasir. He did look rusty. Um, last guy I want to touch on before I just get like a big picture view of if there's any big picture takeaways from game one was Josh Hart. Um, I want to get your take on it, Tori. First, uh, you know, he played great 19.7 rebounds, five assists, eight of 11 shooting. Um, what does he provide to this Blazer team that, you know, hasn't really been brought to this franchise really in years? First off, let me say he's one of the most underrated players in the entire league. Every year, there's websites and sources and whatnot that put out top 100 player lists, and Josh Hart wasn't on any of them. He is a top 100 player in the league. 19-7-5. and five. He can pass. He can attack. One of the best guard finishers in the league. He didn't even attempt a three last night. That shows how effective he was. Can play defense. Like, he's legitimately... He, he has no weaknesses in his game. He does so many things well. He doesn't force bad shots. He plays his role perfectly and can play in so many different roles. Like, every good team usually has a guy like that. The Blazers haven't had a, a guy like that since... I, I can't remember when was the last time they had anyone like Josh Hart. And last night, when Dame's struggling and there's space, there's an opportunity for him to attack... He, he was attacking relentlessly, got to the rim, finished well. I think he had three and ones, um, and then and then created for others. Like, it's so nice having a, that in a small forward. How many times have we just asked for a small forward to be able to, like, oh, just hit 35% of your threes and play some defense? But let alone seven rebounds, helps out Jeremy Grant because he's not the best rebounder. Also, shout out to Grant. He had eight rebounds, which only two out of the last... 47 games last year did he have eight rebounds or more so uh great rebounded well but Hart helps him out in that regard and then the playmaking Blazers haven't had a playmaking forward next to Dame in Dame and CJ or Dame and Ant since Evan Turner but Evan Turner couldn't shoot Evan Turner had a bunch of issues with the with his game so uh I, I love Josh Hart he's so extremely underrated I don't understand what other people across the league don't see compared to what I see in him well I think I think that's the, you're hitting right on the head, right? Like he's solid at everything he does, right? And I think that's why he has been on so many teams is that he's tradable because he's good. He's good at what he does, and every team can use a guy like that. Playoff teams can use a guy like that. So you know, when you talk about you know potential trades for the Blazers, Josh Hart's always brought up because it's like, yeah, a team will value him. Like a good team wants him, or a team can build with him, kind of like the Blazers are. Said you know, you're a good building piece piece to build with, like great role player. Um, but he was awesome. Yeah, I mean, 8 of 11. I love the fact they didn't shoot a 3 because that's not the strength of his game. He's getting to the rack. Uh, you know, he is just a really good basketball player. And I think it's, I think you're right. Like, just get good basketball players on this team next to Dame and let him work. And the thing about him is, is like you said, he's good off the catch where he can dribble and attack and he's strong inside. Uh, seven rebounds, like you said. Great guard rebounder, great forward rebounder. Going to help Jeremy Grant out. I think Jeremy Grant got a lot of rebounds because he was kind of playing the de facto five. So positionally, you know, like I said, when he's guarding Sabonis, he's just down low right there anyways. He is long and athletic and gets the rebounds. But yeah, man, Josh Hart Josh Hart was awesome. And, you know, I don't actually, again, he's not going to shoot this great every night, but I think you expect him to be really good and have a good percentage uh, playing off of Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons because, you know, we talk about Shaden Sharp being a smart player. Josh Hart is a very smart basketball player. He's always in the right spots, always plays hard. And so he's going to make the right play offensively uh, playing off of those two guys. So I love what he does. And, you know, it's nice to have that just, you know, the security blanket, right? Like he's going to have good games night in and night out, just very consistent. Absolutely. And he was the spirit of the Blazers last night. He plays uh, hard, when you, 
when you go on the road, you need somebody to like to lead you spiritually, right? This isn't a spirituality podcast, but you get what I'm saying? Like you need that guy that'll bust his ass on the defensive end, dive on the floor, make hustle plays, um, play defense, but then like that guy that attacks the rim relentlessly, it helps set the tone like, okay, we're not we're not gonna be passive, we're gonna be aggressive on both ends of the floor. He helps set that tone. And Sacramento playing at home, crowd behind them. They were an aggressive defense in the preseason. Blazers struggled with that. Like play a fast pace. They're kind they kind of have an aggressive style of play under Mike Brown this season. So it's it's a lot of times teams will run on run into trouble on the road when they go up against a team like that because they won't match their level of aggression on one side of the floor. Or in the Blazers' case on the road last year, they wouldn't match it on either side of the floor and they'd have some terrible losses. I identified Josh Hart early on last season as the type of guy that would be awesome to have on this team because he can help set that tone from an aggressive stand, aggression standpoint. And I think mainly because of him, the Blazers match Sacramento's aggression on both sides of the ball last night and it's a big reason why they won the game yeah i think you i think you were the one that said this you know you talked about villanova players just being tough and smart like that's just what he is he's a tough guy i'm not gonna back down from anybody like you said i love the relentlessness to get to the rack and finish that's a lost art in the nba to just not settle for that three and go on hard i as a former player that like wasn't a super great shooter when i played like i was fine but i was strong and i was you know i tried to get to the rack I can definitely uh, respect that in Josh Hart. I have a question for you. Um, how do you feel about Chauncey Billups' decision to put Jeremy Grant on De'Aaron Fox, who had a great game, 33 points, he was knocking down threes? Do you think it was the right decision? Would you have went with somebody else? What do you think of that? Um, I think, obviously, it wasn't the right decision because it didn't work out very well, but I do like the thought process, right? And you saw it with Sacramento. They put Casey Akpala on Dame. We've seen that in the past. Uh, you put the big, strong athlete on Damian Lillard. Put Jeremy Grant, a big, strong athlete, on the Kings' best player, right? And that's De'Aaron Fox. That's the guy that gets everything going. Uh, it did work out. I do like the thought process. I think it will work uh, at some point later in the season because Jeremy Grant, again, not the best of rebounder, but Josh Hart is a good rebounder. Nurk is a good rebounder. So you don't need Jeremy Grant as your power forward, as your four to really get rebounds. So you can have him guard guys on the perimeter. And I think if he can improve that a little bit, um, it can be helpful at some point during the season. <clears throat> but it didn't work out uh, this game. But I will say I like the thought process um, of that as well. You know, Chauncey did some things that I liked, and I was you know very critical of Chauncey coming in the season because I haven't seen it. But you know, they tried some few things. They tried to be aggressive uh, defensively. They got a lot of steals, uh, eleven steals against the Kings, which is very good. Twenty fast break points which is very good for the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know when the last time they had 20 fast break points ever. Um, you know, they tried to zone. It didn't necessarily work in the second quarter, but, um, you know, and then you talk, and then I talked about this earlier, you know, benching Nurk in the third quarter, you know, that's something that a lot of head coaches wouldn't do. You know, you're paying Nurk $70 million. They, he benched him for the entire third quarter. So I thought Chauncey showed some promise. And I think it was, um, it was advantageous to really try to put Jeremy Grant on De'Aaron Fox in game one. It didn't work out, but I'm glad he did it to see how it could maybe work out later in the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm not as high on that specific decision. Uh, I think Grant, I like him defending forwards on the ball. Defending quicker like, guards. Okay, would you rather have Josh Hart guard De'Aaron Fox? I would rather have Grant? Josh Hart guard De'Aaron Fox because I don't even know that Josh Hart would necessarily do a better job than Jeremy Grant. I feel like he might, but Jeremy Grant is valuable, in my opinion, to have off the ball as a team defender. We saw it multiple times in preseason where he's playing, um, you know, somebody in the corner and rotating down, help side, getting blocks, that sort of thing. I feel like... He's not going to lock down a De'Aaron Fox or some of the quicker guards. He's I, I feel like that's not his game. He really struggles getting through screens, and we saw that last night in point guards. You know, De'Aaron Fox utilizes a lot of on-ball screens. So I feel like the better decision would be to put Josh Hart, who's better getting through screens than Jeremy Grant, put him on, you know, some of the better guards in the league if the Blazers face one like a De'Aaron Fox, and then Jeremy Grant can be more of a benefit on the back line of the defense, rotating over and helping on a guy like that who gets into the paint a lot. Um, that that's that's would have been my 
preferred decision. But then obviously, if you're going up against LeBron James, like Jeremy Grant is probably your best option for that. So uh, I don't want it to be a situation where like Jeremy Grant is always going to be guarding the best player, no matter if it's like a De'Aaron Fox or a bigger forward. I, I think Hart can handle the guards, you know, and then Grant can help him out. And then in, with some of the bigger forwards, that's exactly why you got Jeremy Grant to be that lengthy athletic defensive player that can bother, uh, you know, LeBron, maybe Giannis, Kevin Durant of the world. Yeah, uh, let me throw this at you a little bit for that. Like, I think I think a lot of it, why I like it is because I think Josh Hart is more of an interior player than Jeremy Grant. Like, is that crazy to say? So, like, Jeremy Grant can guard, guard the guys in the perimeter and Josh Hart's going to be your guy who battles down low and is banging with the bigger guys going for rebounds. Where Jeremy Grant, that's not his strength either. Like, I would rather have the lengthy guy and try to just force tough shots uh, and let Josh Hart do his thing down low. But, like, you're right. When they play a LeBron, they play a Giannis. That's, those are the guys Jeremy Grant has to guard. And Josh Hart's going to be guarding somebody else. But what do you think of that? Like, with Josh Hart just being kind of tougher, like, Josh Hart's just like GP2. Like, he can play the two, the three, the four. Like, that's just kind of how he plays. Yeah. I, in terms of defensive acumen, though, I feel like Hart's a little bit better against guards on the perimeter where Grant's a little bit better inside. Obviously, with the rebounding, you know, um, it's nice to have Hart down there. But is it? If I'm Chauncey Billups, I'm challenging Jeremy Grant to be a better rebounder because there's no reason why he can't be a better rebounder with his length and athleticism. So that's just where I would go with that is to challenge Grant to be a better rebounder with guards. I I like how Josh Hart gets through screens um, and you got to be able to get through screens under Aaron Fox. Like Grant ended up at a disadvantage multiple times. They started off going under, which was what I would have done. But then Darren Fox, who shot 30% from three last year, hits like five threes the entire game. So, you know, you kind of live with that. But, um, you know, having a guy that can press and press up into him a little bit better and go over screens and be a little bit more physical like a Josh Hart might have been the, the better play. So I don't mind testing things out early in the season. I would have preferred for Chauncey to switch it up at halftime and try and just just compare and contrast, right? You saw Grant on him in the first half. Darren Fox had a good half. All right, let's try Josh Hart on him in the second half. And that's how you can figure out what the best decisions are as we get later into the season and especially, hopefully, the playoffs. And moving forward, uh, Blazers play the Suns on Friday, so we will see a lot of pick and rolls with Chris and Paul, with Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, we will see if Jeremy Grant can improve within the one game uh, going against screens of what Chauncey does uh, in that matchup. I think that's a very interesting thing to watch for. So, you know, going forward, um, you know, game one, Blazers win 115-108. Uh, now they're going to play the Suns next. Chauncey did some good things. The players did some good things. What what do you take away from this game, Tori? Uh, does it change your mind in anything? I think you believe it. I believe you had the Blazers at eighth in the West. Um, I know it's way too early to kind of change your projection on that, but uh, do you think there's maybe even higher ceiling, or do you think differently of this team now, or is it kind of the same? We need to see a little bit more. Yeah, before the season, I said this team. I, I did have them as an eight seed, but I also said they have a high upside. Like, they could be a home court advantage team if they just figure things out on the defensive end. It all comes down to the defense, right? And uh, I figured that opening night, they're going to have a lot of energy, and they they would. I had the feeling that they would have a better defensive game than people expected from them after the preseason. But I think it's just a team with a with a wide range of outcomes man it's a hard team to predict there's been other years where i'm more confident in the team being mediocre the team being good this year it's i don't know i mean you got two forwards that can create off the dribble and play defense and knock down threes that's all you ever wanted next to dame and cj now we have dame and ant i like that should be good offensively it's just can the defense come around? So uh, last night didn't really change anything. I'm a little bit more confident in them being able to reach their upside. Um, but, dude, I don't. I, I have no confidence in placing them at 8th. I have no confidence in placing them at 4th. I have no confidence in placing them at 11th. I have no idea uh, what this team is going to be. So that's why my whole motto going into the season was, we're going to wait and see it. I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah, no, talk, I was talking to people before the game, and it's like it was, it was very uncertain on what the Blazers are going to do, how they're going to look. And I, I you know, there were some questions answered, but it's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but we're going to find out a lot about the Blazers. Just look, you know, look at their schedule against the Suns. Then they're on the road at the Lakers, like at home against the Nuggets, the Heat, the Rockets, the Grizzlies. So you know, it's a tough schedule coming up. And then it's you know back-to-back games against the Suns on the road, and then on the road at the Heat. So um, they're playing a lot of good teams coming up real soon here. So uh, you know, they got to really adjust and take some of the good things they took away from Sacramento and rotate them to the next games 
coming up because those are teams with different styles. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, but I'm with you. You know, I thought the Blazers. It was encouraging that the Blazers didn't play well and they beat the Kings, even though the Kings aren't a great team. You know, I think that the Kings are, you know, 11th in the West. I don't know that they're necessarily a good team, but to see the Blazers win in a different style, right? Like, it wasn't just like, oh, the Blazers got to score 125 to win. It was like, no, you know, they scored 115 and they didn't shoot the ball great, but they got some steals, they got some turnovers, they forced, uh, got they sped the game up. And usually in the past, when the Kings would speed it up like that, the Blazers get in trouble. Blazers, you know, matched them punch for punch in the speed game. So um, it was a different type of win. And so for that, you know, it was a little encouraging. Again, I'm, I still think they're 10th in the West, but uh, I, I think that it was encouraging to see the Blazers win differently with a different roster. Like, this is a different roster than they've had in years past, and I love to see that because uh, I was getting I was getting bored with the old stale, old stale Blazers and the Pale Blazers. Now we got uh, we got some a lot of good athletes out there, and uh, it's a different type of team. So I'm excited to see how they do against the better teams now when they play the Suns and they play you know a better competition. Yep. Final thing for this episode, I want your record prediction after November second. So as you said, we play the Suns at home tomorrow on the road against the Lakers, then four game homestand against the Nuggets, who lost by 21 to the Jazz, against the Heat, who lost to the Bulls without Levine, against the Rockets, and against the Grizzlies. Right. So that's yeah. six more games. The Blazers are already one and zero. What's your record after Game Seven? What's your record so, prediction? So- so that'd be what seventy-five games left. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so you want me to do it now or after the after game seven? You said. No, I want your record. I want oh, your record prediction seven. right now. What after do you think games. will be like four and three, five and two? Uh, let's see. One in six. They... <laughs> no, I think they will be three and four. Okay. Three and four. I think they beat the Rockets um, at home, and I don't know if they beat. Then they beat one of the other home games. I think they lose in L.A., uh, and then they beat either the Grizzlies, the Heat, or Nuggets or Suns, but they only get one of those. Three and four, four and three. I would lean to the under on three and four. I would say four and three or five and two. Uh, I don't think the Suns are that good right now. The Lakers are 0-2. They're a mess. They come back against Luka, though? Dog Davian Lee hitting a Luka shot to win the game was funny, but, um, I mean, honestly, like, it looks like a hard schedule, but Denver looked bad opening night, Miami looked bad opening night, and these games are at home. Uh, I think there's a legitimate chance they start five and two. Actually, that's going to be my prediction. I'm going to be bold with it. Five and two after November 2nd. I, I will say, um, after game two, when they play the Suns and how they guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker in that pick and roll, the Blazers have been cooked. I mean, for how many years have they played Chris Paul? I mean, since Chris Paul's been in the league. The thing is, he might be cooked. And that's the thing. If he goes off and he has a nice game against the Blazers defense, man, it's going to give me um, a lot of doubt on the defensive side. They did some good things, but if they can't guard that pick and roll against a you know, Chris Paul type of guard who might be cooked, man, uh, I might change it to three and four for sure. But I think I think three and four, I think they're going to be competitive. Um, I could see a four and three, but uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go three and four. Is it crazy to say this might be the most important stretch of the season? I mean, like, if they can start off well these home games before this really tough, road-heavy schedule in November, and then you get Gary Payton the second back, and Shaden Sharp's more comfortable, and maybe Dame has his legs under him a little bit more, like, you have a good stretch here with these home games against some solid teams, and it could give you confidence for the rest of the season, some momentum, and you start to get a couple of guys, you know, back, healthier, Nas, maybe he starts to find himself a little bit. I feel like this is a very important stretch. I know it's early, but these next six games, if the Blazers can perform well, I think it sets them up to to really handle this difficult early season schedule. Yeah, because it's it's five home games, right? And you want to win a lot of those home games. So you play those good teams... It's tough, but you gotta win. And then after those, dude, after those seven games, it doesn't get. It's not like it gets easier. You know, Suns, Heat. You got the Pelicans. You got the Mavericks in there. The Nets in there. The Bucks in there. The Cavs in there. Like the first twenty games are brutal for the Blazers. So yeah, I mean, if they can get out to four and three, five and two, that'd be huge. Um, that's why you are right. These home games are very important. Uh, Tori, you got anything else before we go? Uh, go away and watch the Blazers play the Suns on Friday. Where the Suns four point favorites in Portland. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would take 
Portland in that game. It's going to be fun to see how that plays out. Uh, Yeah, we'll have a post-game show on Blazers Uprise after that game. Hopefully it's another win. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to see Phoenix because they're they're a team with some question marks, with some chemistry issues. They don't have much of a bench. It's going to be interesting to see how Nurkic goes up against Dayton and then, um, you know, how the Blazers defend Chris Paul, who didn't really do anything in the first game. So uh, I, I think, you know, this Phoenix team has been very successful the past couple years. I think they might be on the downswing a little bit. So getting the Blazers played them the second game of the year last year and blew them out at home. So if we can get a repeat of that, man, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, man, it'll be fun to watch. I'll be sure to hit up Tori at Tori Jones YT on Twitter or Blazer Uprise when they're doing all their videos, their live streams. Check out all their past videos as well. Uh, you ranked, you know, the top 100 players in the league. Uh, you did a lot of stuff. Uh, just go check out all of Tori's stuff. You can catch me at Steven underscore V-O-N. Uh, here be on 750 The Game. 3-6 to six, BFT with John Canzano. I'm his producer. I'm always getting on there. Just turn my mic on, start talking. Can't hold me down. Uh, so I'm going to just get on there, spit my takes, uh, then bet the game as well on 7.50 the game, 9 to 10 a.m. on the weekends. Uh, and with that, this is the Believe in Blazers podcast presented by Bet Online. We appreciate all the support. Feel free to subscribe, rate, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, that really helps us out. That will be awesome. And so for Tori Jones, I am Steve Vaughn. Thank you for listening. Let's have a day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.